Today is Giving Tuesday, a global day of giving back to nonprofits. If you value Seattle Now and the stories we share, please consider supporting us by donating to our home, KUOW. All Giving Tuesday gifts will be doubled by the Rainier Institute and Foundation, up to $150,000. Double your impact and make a gift right now. There's a link in the show notes to donate. And thanks. Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. This is Seattle Now. We're seeing a lot less of the sun these days. The big dark is upon us again. Between seasonal affective disorder and the impending holidays, it can be a tough time of year for our mental health. Today, we're looking at comedy as a coping mechanism during these dark, cold months. Seattle comedian Chris Mejia will tell us how he incorporates his depression into his work. And UW professor Tabitha Kirkland will explain why laughter helps our bodies and minds stay healthy. But first, let's get you caught up. The Burien City Council locked down 35 pallet shelters and a million dollars from King County last night to help unhoused residents. The council agreed to establish temporary emergency housing for up to a year or until the money runs out. The offer from the county has been on the table for months while the council argued over potential locations. Last night, they agreed to site the shelter on Seattle City Light property just hours before the offer was set to expire. About 40 Burien residents have been sleeping outside for the better part of a year, even after the city banned camping starting November 1st. Election leaders across the state are certifying the results of the November election today. The two-week window between Election Day and the final count allows mailed ballots to make their way in and gives voters a chance to fix any issues with their ballot being counted. Here's one big takeaway. The Seattle City Council will officially be getting six new faces. Some of those races came down to just a few hundred votes. Five new council members will be sworn in January 1st, and the new council will have 20 days to pick a temporary replacement for Teresa Mosqueda, who's joining the King County Council. And the calm, cool, and collected crew from the King County Water Taxi will be recognized for their actions today, just a couple of weeks after diverting a runaway barge. The stacked container barge was headed straight for the waterfront near the Great Wheel until the quick-thinking captain from the water taxi used the vessel to nudge the barge off its course. The county will hold a recognition ceremony for the captain and two deckhands this afternoon. Just a heads up, this episode mentions suicide. Winter can be a hard time around here. It's wet and rainy. Seasonal depression is always waiting in the wings. But it's prime time for Seattle comedian Chris Mejia. It's funny because when you're a comedian, uh, you have a very complicated relationship with the Seattle seasons because when it's in when it's Seattle and it's summer, theoretically, everyone's like, oh, my God, this is why we live here for the three months where it's sunny. And finally, we can feel like everything's great. And now I finally get to center my personality around the fact that I like to do outdoor walking in the woods. And I do that instead of processing my childhood trauma. Like that <laughs> as a regular Seattleite, that's how everyone feels about summer and spring. But comedy sucks in the summer. Uh, it's the worst time to do comedy in Seattle because no one wants to go inside People and watch feel a comedy too good. show. <laughs> yeah. So then when it gets dark and it's winter, you're like, yeah, there's nothing to do outside. Everyone's going to come see comedy. It's generally a good time for Chris to perform his material. But 
As the months wear on, the big dark starts to take a toll. January, you got a little bit of that holiday hangover. And in February, you're just like, oh, word, uh, it's Valentine's Day this month. I don't have somebody. And now it's dark and I'm cold and it's wet. And that's when really I feel like the depression gets into its final form. But haven't hit there yet. (laughs) Yeah, we are not into February yet, which is really when you get really deep into what we're talking about here. As a comedian here in Seattle, you make mental health a big part of your focus in your material. And I'm curious why you made that choice. Yeah. So, I mean, comedians, we have this both good and bad trait where we will have traumatic things happen to us. And instead of just being like, wow, that was a terrible thing. I can't believe that happened. Oh, oh my God, I feel so bad. Comedians will be like, hey, I wonder if I can make this a bit. And that's essentially how it all started. I, in February, actually, now that I think about it, I experienced a very severe depression, which now I've been, you know, I've been diagnosed with depression and anxiety. So now I know it's more of just like, oh, I wasn't just sad at one time. It's, this is something that it will be continually something that I struggle and battle with. But at that moment, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to live anymore. And I called the suicide lifeline. And I spoke up about, uh, you know, calling the lifeline and people, you know, replied to my posts. Like, I I thought I was going to get a bunch of people like, oh, my God, are you okay? Like, call me. But it was actually a bunch of people being like, yo, I'm so happy you spoke up about that. I either just went through that. I'm going through that right now. Or I know someone who went that. And now seeing you who you're always being funny on Instagram and all that. You going through this too helps me realize I'm not alone. I'm not broken. This is normal. And I can make it to the other side because you have. And to me, that was like, okay, yes, it makes people uncomfortable sometimes when I tell them, hey, how was your day yesterday? Oh, you watched uh, Tiger King? I wanted to kill myself yesterday. Like, I understand that's not really like a joyous thing to hear. But it's made me realize that's the whole point. That's why that's how you normalize mental health. We have to allow ourselves to be uncomfortable by hearing the people we know and love coming forward with like, yeah, I wanted to kill myself and I called a lifeline and help because I didn't I called the lifeline not thinking it was going to help me at all. I honestly was very skeptical and I only did it because I was like, I if I'm going to die, I want to at least be able to put in my note that the lifeline sucks and y'all lied to me and then I called it and then uh and it saved my life you know I want to talk more about the impact of your work on yourself and the people around you but first let's hear a little bit of that bit where you call the suicide hotline but at the end of the call I'll never forget at the end of the call the lady was like I really I've enjoyed our conversation I'm glad I've been able to help you Unfortunately, I have to go because there's so many of us here and I have to help other people who are calling. So please, I genuinely care about your safety. I need you to be honest with me with this question. What are your plans for the rest of the night after this phone call? And I told her, I'm like, because of your help, I'm choosing to let tonight. I am. So because of that, when I hang up this phone, I'm going to just be honest. I'm going to just go and get some Taco Bell. <laughs> And then the concern in her voice (laughs) was more than when I said I wanted to kill myself. How low 
Or she was like, oh, talk about co-write. I got 10 more minutes. <laughs> that is uh, both really funny and very powerful, Chris. I want to ask you what it means for you to talk about it. Like when I first started doing the bit, I started it because I wrote like I didn't want to kill myself because it felt like too much of a commitment. Like I just didn't want to exist right now. And a comic was like, thank you for posting that. That's very brave of you. But also, I have to admit, it's very funny that commitment issues is the reason why you didn't kill yourself. And I was like, oh, I actually I never thought of it about that. That's really funny. They're like, yeah, you like if you're comfortable, you should try that as a bit. And then that's that's, you know, how that started. And so, like, it's rewarding because of that, too. It's rewarding because majority of the times that I've done it, I can see at least one person in the audience who on their face, I can tell they either previously went through the exact same thing I went through or they're going through it right now, or they know someone who did. And I can just see on their face, similar to what I was saying about what people messaged me of them being like, oh, so it's not just me. Cool. Awesome. So perfect. And like, it doesn't, it doesn't cure their depression. It doesn't cure their suicidal thoughts. But it's also at the same time, as someone who's been through a suicidal drought, when you ha- when you f- when you have a moment where you realize you're not the only one out of people you know it helps them feel less like i'm failing at something and understanding more of this is a thing that just happens and then also as well majority of the times that i've done it people will approach me after shows whether in person or message me and say hey thank you very much for doing that bit uh, it's really important that we talk about that. And we, I greatly appreciate that you did. It's definitely, that's that's why I do it. Because it's like, hopefully from there, it's it's like the first tiny, tiny domino that then knocks over more dominoes in their life of having a better understanding of suicide and depression and all that. We've been talking about this specific part of your routine, but... Does the act of comedy itself help you process your experiences? It's cheesy to say, uh, but it was a common, it's a common thing said, like, I'm a big hip-hop fan. Love rap, love R&B, big hip-hop fan. Uh, And in hip-hop, so many rappers will say, hip-hop saved my life. Uh, That's the attitude I have about comedy. Comedy has saved my life because comedy has honestly felt like the only thing I was ever really good at. Like when I'm on stage and it's going well, that's where I feel at home. That's where I feel like everything finally makes sense. And comedy has been helpful with unpacking it because it's allowed me to unpack this trauma in my way in the place that I feel the most safe. This might be a little t- this might be a, a little bit of a reach or whatever. Like I've always had this theory and like it's something that's been talked about too of like with black Twitter Black Twitter, anytime a traumatic thing happens, instead of everyone on Black Twitter being like, oh, man, this is sad and all that, everyone's making jokes. And there's memes and it's all that. And I think, I mean, if you think about it, Black people have gone through a laundry, endless list of traumatic things that have been done to Black people. And I feel like a lot of people who go through a lot lot of trauma you just get to a point where you realize all I can do right now is laugh. The situation's not going to be made better. 
there's nothing I can control. There's nothing I can do. So if I'm going to be here, I might as well, I might as well find some joy. And that's how I feel about comedy with traumatic events of just like, yeah, still take the time to unpack. But I also think at the same time, there's a lot of power in learning how to laugh at something because then it also kind of takes some of the power away from it and allows you to then feel like you're the one who's in control of the effect it's had on on your life. But comedy is a way to be like, well, you know what? This moment sucks. There's nothing I can do about it. But you know what? This thing about it is very weird and I'm going to laugh at it. And you know what? That laugh is going to make me feel better about things. It'll like, take you out of the moment. It'll take you out exactly. of the moment. For people who might be depressed right now because of the big dark, how can comedy help them? I'm not going to lie to you and say watching a comedy special on Netflix or going to a comedy show is going to be exactly what you need. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that. But what I will say, like getting up to go to a comedy show, you're going to get those endorphins that are going to make you feel a little better. You're also going to be able to leave your house, which in my personal opinion, when you're depressed and you manage to leave your house, that is the biggest accomplishment of the world. It's especially when you're depressed, the littlest things you don't realize are actually equivalent to winning a gold medal at the Olympics, like getting out of bed, gold medal, showering, gold medal, eating, like actually eating and like eating food that's not just terrible junk food that's going to make you feel worse. All of that is equivalent to a gold medal. So like give yourself a chance to win a gold medal by leaving your house and going to do comedy. That is a form of self-care. And if that's not going to help you, just do something that's going to help you feel like when you go to sleep, you're willing to wake up. Chris, thank you so much for your work, for opening this space authentically for people to see themselves and normalizing what so many, many people feel. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It makes sense that comedy can help lift spirits during dark times, but for confirmation, we called Professor Tabitha Kirkland. She teaches a class on happiness at the University of Washington. I specifically wanted to teach it every winter because I was like, this is when the class will most be needed is during these days when it gets dark at like 4 p.m. Her happiness class is all about arming people with strategies to live a more fulfilled life. She says comedy is definitely one of them. So if we think about comedy, um, I think that there's multiple ways that you could view it. You could see comedy as escapism, as distraction, which is one way that we can try to manage our emotions is by trying to remove ourselves from that source of sadness. Um, you also could see it as this reinterpretation, right? Which I think is the more beneficial strategy. If we can learn habitually, not just to distract ourselves from sadness by looking at a cat meme or something, um, but to really like rethink the circumstances of our life that are sad and to find the humor in it or the silver lining or the joy, then that's adding up to be a more meaningful strategy for emotion management. Uh, we call it emotion regulation. So how do we change our emotions? Um, and actually, that's the basis behind one of the most effective kinds of therapy, cognitive behavior therapy, is really learning to, way, to, to change the way that we think about um, how we see the events in our lives. 
And fear not if you don't have a stand-up routine ready to go. The act of laughing is beneficial in and of itself. Science has found that actually forcing yourself to laugh versus just spontaneously laughing um, have very similar kinds of benefits. So um, you'll see similar kinds of effects on the stress hormones. Um, You'll see similar kind of effects on like endorphins in the body, production of dopamine and serotonin in the blood. And there's a whole bunch of research that suggests that in some ways we can kind of fake it until we make it that, you know, feedback from our bodies does affect our minds. So even if we're doing something like making ourselves laugh, that laughter can become genuine over time. There's a whole school of yoga called laughter yoga or hasya yoga. That's literally just about like diaphragmatic contraction and making yourself say, ha, 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 ho, ho, ho. Um, and I've seen that. It, it's I've something seen that, that <laughs> yeah. But it does, it does turn into real laughter over time. I've made my students do that. And it's just like awkward enough that it also just like becomes funny. Right, right. Another great tool. Everybody mm-hmm. feeling awkward in the same moment. It's great. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was Tabitha Kirkland, Associate Teaching Professor in the Department of Psychology at the University of Washington. Hey, before we go, a reminder, if you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis or considering self-harm, call or text 988 for help. You can also contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The number is in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Today's episode was produced by Caroline Chamberlain Gomez. Our production team also includes Claire McGrain, Jenny Cecil Moore, and Vaughn Jones. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.